We're the Satellite Sisters. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Sheila Dolan here with my sisters, Liz, Leon, and Julie. Monica Dolan is in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to You're the Best Encore Interviews from the Satellite Sisters. J.J. Abrams is with us. J.J., thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You know okay. Tina Brown. She's an award-winning journalist. Tina, welcome to Satellite Sister. I'm so thrilled to be with you guys. Oh, we love this book. Robin Roberts, we're so thrilled to have you here on Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. You know, Liz, my sister would have busted me like that, too. <laughs> welcome to You're the Best. Encore interviews. Encore interviews from the Satellite Sisters. From the Satellite Sisters. This Satellite Sisters Year the Best Encore interview is with Elizabeth Edwards from 2006. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Julie Dolan and Liz Dolan. And this interview is really special to listen to again. She was a political wife, but just also a political force that I can say that I admire Julie, Liz. I think you felt the same way. We spoke to Elizabeth from her home right when her book Saving Graces came out. And this was her first memoir. Um, She had been diagnosed with breast cancer right after her then-husband, John Edwards, uh, did did not win the 2004 election. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had also been through the death of a teenage son. And she wrote in that memoir extensively about her own grief and dealing with grief and the kindness of family and strangers. And she was one of the people in Satellite Sisters that I will literally never forget talking to because she just was so warm and so genuine. And, and that's not easy to do, that that combination, is it? No, I... You know, she talked about a lot about the power of her girlfriends, you know, which is interesting. When I was listening to this, listening back to this interview, you know, they were really important to her in her, you know, dealing with the grief of the loss of her son. It's also interesting how she doesn't really mention her husband, you know, in this interview, you know, and, and I was listening to it. This was done in 2006. I also had the, you know, the thought, gosh, she has so much more pain ahead of her. Right. And I know. she doesn't even know it, but she was such a strong woman and, uh, and, you know, and she, so it's, it's just a very compelling interview because a lot of us go through very painful things and, and to listen to her and how she de- dealt with it, how she did fall down. She did, you know, she wasn't. She wasn't always strong, like her public persona was. It was really uh, inspiring. Yeah, and this is Liz. I agree with you, Julie, that there's something so poignant in us being in a position to know, as we know now, as we listen to this interview, that she had so much more sadness and so much more tragedy and even humiliation yeah. to face in her life. Right. Um yeah, you don't hear any of that in her voice. She could not have known what was to come, but she's just a such a positive, lovely person and, you know, mainly focuses on, she says, people feel the need to have connections. And I think that uh, obviously we believe that too. That's why we do Satellite Sisters. But that that was so true in just the way she conducted herself in the world. So I'm with you, Leanne. I really, really admired Elizabeth Edwards when she first came on the scene just what a breath of fresh air because mm-hmm. she was such a normal person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're listening to this interview now and you're wondering what can I get out of it, if you're going through any kind of grief at all or any kind of difficulty, she has some really important things to say about that that are still 100% relative. So this is our Satellite Sisters conversation with Elizabeth Edwards from 2006. 
Hey, Sheila, do you ever get a vibe from someone in public life, whether you've ever met them or not? You just sort of see them on TV or you see them at a public appearance and think, that is a satellite sister. Yes. You know, sometimes you can just tell. And that's the way I have always felt about Elizabeth Edwards since she burst on the public scene as the wife of Senator and then vice presidential candidate John Edwards. Elizabeth Edwards' new book is Saving Graces, Finding Solace and Strength from Friends and Strangers. Elizabeth, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Uh, it's great to be with you. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like whatever your husband decides to do with his future, you know, that's out of our hands. But I'd like to see you in some kind of specially created post, like America's Next Door Neighbor, or just <laughs> like solid gold Satellite sister. <laughs> because you do seem to have that sort of empathy for all, and that's why it's such a pleasure to see you sort of back out in public life and talking to people. Uh, it is actually great to be back out. Um, I, I did feel a little like I crawled into a hole for a while, but uh, uh, but it's great to be back and then also great to be with you all. Yeah, you know, well, you crawled into a hole for a reason. I'm sure most people know that you were diagnosed with breast cancer in November of 2004. You've been in treatment since then. So you went, you went right from a hard-fought, like, multi-year general election to chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, all of that. Has there ever been a moment, has it even happened to you yet, where you thought, Okay, now my life is back to normal. Uh, yeah, I, I had like this little brief moment um, a few, uh, a couple of months ago. We because after everything was over, then we were building a new house, and so I, was, I still felt like I was uh, not in a hole, but I was living out of boxes, and I didn't feel like I had my life back. And a couple of months ago, we moved into the new house we built uh, out in the country in North Carolina, and. Uh, I love it, and everything seems um, so idyllic. And then, of course, I started a book tour. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and real life went back out the window again. I'm hoping to get that back again in November. <laughs> all right. Well, we hope that for you, too, Elizabeth. You know, I guess I was surprised, and the sisters, we were all talking about this, that, I mean, the book is so personal uh, in a way that in some sections it's just completely gut-wrenching when you talk about losing your son Wade in an auto accident when he was 16 and part of me was surprised that a, a public person who's exposed to so much scrutiny anyway would want to put so much of her personal pain on the page. Was there ever a part of you that wanted to withhold parts of your story, particularly the parts about losing your son? Uh, not when I was writing it, because my purpose in writing it, I mean, it wasn't just that, you know, I want to put it, I want to write a book. I actually thought I had something to say, because I, uh, we don't, we, our models for grieving are few and far between, uh-huh. and people think and and would say to me, you know, who, people who knew we lost a son would say, "You're so strong," and I'd say, "You have no idea. I'm not." Um, and I thought it was better that people have a realistic view that they not think, in addition to being so unhappy about a loss, that they they also then think, "I'm so weak. That's the reason I'm a puddle on the bottom on the floor." Mm. You know, I wanted to say I was also a puddle on the floor. It doesn't matter whether our names in the paper. Some things are going to knock us down right. and knock us down hard and, and not, so that people don't hold themselves up to unrealistic expectations. And that was part of the purpose of the book. So if I didn't do the I'm on the floor part, I, I hadn't accomplished what I intended to accomplish at all. But I reliving exposed. Re- mm-hmm. yeah. I did feel exposed by it, I have to say. But, yeah. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with your with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for a part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what, uh, what uh, 
what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate free, and wild caught seafood. No antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz, you know, we love talking about FrameBridge, don't we? We do. (laughs) Because because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting FrameBridge experience. Would I, I you like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame-bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame-bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and FrameBridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but FrameBridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this sounds like- But you are going to be happy, okay? (laughs) That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Well, reliving many of those years must have been really painful for you. I mean, you write very descriptively about the grief and you're reaching out, but then you also note that your brother, who is a filmmaker, I think it's on the day of Wade's funeral, right? He he filmed all the kids in the house sort of talking about Wade. So right. he would have a record of that. And you've never been able to look at that film. I can't. I, and there, there may come a day I might, that I'm able to do it. But, you know, I think there's a chance that I never will. I mean, these Wade's friends are now uh, in their 
they spend 10 years, so they're 26, 27 years old. They're mm-hmm. starting to get married. I can't. I haven't been able to go to a funeral. There are things that I can't do, but but I can think about Wade. And uh, did you say you can't go to a funeral? I mean, not a funeral. Not a funeral. A, um, a oh, one of their weddings. I mean. Oh, I they're, see. Mm-hmm. I said it wrong. So, so they're 27 and 28. About to, and there are a lot of them are getting married. I haven't been able to go to any of their weddings because I think I would see Wade's absence. But oh, when I really? talk about him, in a sense, it's almost like I feel his presence as opposed to his absence, and um, and that's uh, and that's comforting in some ways. Now, not that it was easy to write the book. Parts of it were very hard to write. Parts of it are hard to read, Elizabeth. If you're a mom, if you've ever lost a child, I mean, it, devastating, devastating yeah. to read. Did you, you know? At the time of Wade's death, did people try to tell you how to grieve? Did you think you could do one thing, or did you have feelings like, oh, I should be doing this, but instead I'm, I'm going to his grave every day. I'm, I'm reading his 12th grade curriculum to him. You know, people who care about you want you to, quote, get better. Yeah. And so they're constantly saying things in hopes that you will get better, that you will somehow regain your old self. And you have to remember all the time that they're telling you these things, which you do not want someone to have to, to tell you, that they're trying to help. They're trying to be helpful, even if they aren't. Uh, everybody has to grieve in exactly their own way. I got a lot of advice, uh, particularly, you know, as years went on and I was still, you know, I was still uh, um, grieving, still going to the, the grave daily, and people, you know, tried to, to get me out of it. But my, I think having done it my way, gone through what I felt I needed to, it makes it possible for me to live the life I'm living now, to write the book, um, because I, I went through the steps that felt right to me. And I, that's what I encourage people to do, whatever feels right to them. You know, it kind of, uh, I would imagine, helps you now sort of remove all judgment when you look at other people and the way they live their life. Right, both ways, really. Yeah. You know, but, but you know, if they're looking at you judging you, you let that go. And, if, and when you're looking at them, you don't judge them. Um, Elizabeth Edwards is with us. You know, there's so much that you that you write about in here that just struck me as so the spirit of satellite sisterhood. That particularly, you seem really good, Elizabeth, at reaching out to your friends when you need help. And I think for a lot of people going through a crisis, whether it's losing a child or being in a general election or going through breast cancer treatment, what, sometimes what's really hard about any of those kinds of things is sort of saying to people, I need your help or can you do this for me and, and rallying their friends around them. There's a tendency maybe to withdraw in. But that was never your instinct. Uh, well, maybe sometimes it was. I mean, you know, we're moms, we're sisters, uh, we're supposed to, we're supposed to take care of it, you know, right. and we're, yeah. the, we're, the, we're sort of the last resort. We're the person who gets it done if somebody else doesn't finish it, finish a job. And so, you know, we net, we, we're almost never the person who asks for help in our real lives. But, but I was, I really want to encourage people when they're in a time like this, your friends want to help you if you tell them exactly what you need. So much the better. Then they're not doing that thing you don't want. In fact, uh, they're doing something that makes them feel like like they're 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 helping their friends, so you're doing something for yourself, but you're really also doing something for your friends who wanna who wanna help. You know, normally when I read a, a memoir like this, though, I wonder who really helped this person get through it, or who did they rally around. And what's so unusual and lovely about your book, Elizabeth, is that you're constantly giving credit to your own satellite sisters. It's you've got this gang of like, and it's a very disparate group, like people on the North Carolina basketball email <laughs> fan site. You know, I wouldn't normally think of reaching out to like my sports email friends to help me get through a giant 
giant loss, but you did, and it was very powerful for you to have those people in your life. It was, and you know, it's part of, um, you know, I think living well. It's like my dad taught me how to how to reach out to people and not just to engage them on some superficial levels, but to try to, you know, really tell them, you know, we are sisters or you know we're connected, and uh, because there was great joy in that connection. It turns out there's another advantage to the connection, and that is when you need it, you have those people. And so I had them in this wide net, an incredibly wide net of people. So, I mean, I felt, I always felt that I had support. I did feel alone a lot um, because grieving, for example, is a very lonely experience, and some of the chemotherapy was a very lonely experience. But the, but, uh, but when, uh, when I had time to, to reflect, I realized I was surrounded by affection and uh, that made it a lot easier. You know, when you write about being out and touring around the country during the presidential campaign, that women, and I'm sure men too, did come up to you and they felt this special bond with you because they knew that you had lost a child. Um, were those the same kind of people that rallied around you then when the news came out that you had breast cancer? I mean, really, the election wasn't even over in many people's minds where you sort of lurched into this next crisis in your life. I think that people feel the need to have connections, and it's sometimes when we feel more vulnerable as when we've lost a child, the need for that connection is even greater. Um, I found in people who have who have been through breast cancer, both whether they've suffered from it or someone from their family has suffered from it, they want to make the connection. It um, it validates their experience or it comforts them to know they're not on this path alone. Uh, all of those uh, feelings, I think, encourage people to make the connection. But I had connections, too, from people with whom none of those things were true um, because I also think it's just a basic need. We, we need one another. And... So when the opportunity presents itself to make the connection, um, I'm gratified that a lot of people do try to do that. You know, Elizabeth, this is Leanne. You seem extraordinarily close to your daughter, Kate. You know, did you let her read the book as as you were writing it, or was it something, you know, Kate is in, I guess she's at law school now, right? She is. She and, was working at the time I was writing. Yeah, so, I mean... Was she surprised at some of the things that she read or because she had lived through it? Did did she know that or has that changed your relationship with her? Um, it hasn't uh, changed, I don't think. I'm, you know, I'm, there, but though I think there were parts she didn't know, uh, parts John didn't know. Uh, my online life, my online support system, you know, was something I between me and the computer, basically, and while they were in the other room, you know, reading or doing whatever they were doing. Uh so they did not participate in that, and so some of that was a surprise, and some of it was difficult for them to read as well. But um, and I, I did send her things, but mm-hmm. but I, I was afraid in her busy life, right? <laughs> she wouldn't actually read them, right? <laughs> so when it was something about her, I would call her and read her the section that was about her because I I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable because there are things in there it could expose her to. Our guest is Elizabeth Edwards. Her new book is Saving Graces. Finding Solace and Strength from Friends and Strangers. Elizabeth, I think most of the public knows you have two little kids, Emma Claire and Jack. And where are they right now? We saw them a lot during the campaign, sort of kind of like you were constantly trying to control to their movements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to stop them in Wisconsin, for example, uh, for, from putting the cheese heads 
on each other and and ramming them while John was trying to face during a rally. Oh, yeah, I could just picture that. Of course, that's what they would do with those big cheese head things. And, and uh, um, uh, Emma, Clay, I, we went to uh, Target this morning in order to buy them things to keep them busy during this interview. Emma okay. is plopped down in front of a television watching a new video. Jack is standing right beside me saying, uh, who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody, any mother or parent who has tried to make a conference call from home from work can know. When, it, when does the dog start barking? That's what we want to know. Because <laughs> then it's a real Satellite Sisters interview. If you can hear your dog in the back. That's right. Or the dishwasher overflow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a big soccer weekend this weekend? Is that what's going on at your house? Or what happens on the weekends? Yeah, can you uh, relax ever? Uh, no, yeah, no, this has been a reasonably relaxing weekend, um, in the middle of the book tour, but, uh, except that I was hoping to see John, but he's, uh, he's out doing political business, and he got, I get him back this afternoon. Um, and, uh, the children are, this, uh, this is a strange fall where they're not signed up for sports. Okay. And, uh, Phew. But, but, uh, we have basketball tryouts. Uh, Tuesday. So okay. We're about to get back into it. Okay, so you're gearing up. And yeah. you can admit to us, Jack, you can just say yes or no. Aren't you relieved they're not doing any sports? <laughs> yeah. You well, can... you know, because of the book tour, I really am relieved. I, I, you know, I would have I, I I added the guilt of not being there for things to all of the other guilt for of uh, being away. <laughs> right. <laughs> just what working mothers need, more guilt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the gallery of guilt, I like yeah. to call it. The gallery of guilt. <laughs> you know, you've been through breast cancer treatment since your diagnosis in November 2004. You write about it, like, so movingly in the book, but it's also so obvious that after having gone through the death of your son, the breast cancer was something you could actually, like, rally around this was something where the whole family and your friends all of your you know your own satellite sisterhood felt like okay this we can do is that the feeling you had it really was i mean because you know it was very frustrating with wade's death he wanted to be able to do something but he died instantly and we could not do anything so the very the very uh thought that we had the opportunity to fight was all we needed to grab hold of and, and and I sort of encourage people, you know, you don't start dying early. Don't accept, you know, don't accept the a diagnosis as a death sentence. Uh, this is your chance to rally and fight, and and that's that's how we felt. Of course, sometimes it got you down. I mean, it's it's t- it's physically tough, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but we still kept that. You know, I think even through all of it, uh, even the worst moments, kept this. Um, we we're just uh, this great feeling of hope. But it's just, it's also so, so confusing the way you write about sort of the beginning stages of the diagnosis and the treatment. It's like you had so many doctors and you were getting so much conflicting advice. And it's just everyone I've ever talked to who's had any kind of serious illness just had this feeling like, man, why am I the one that has to figure this out? Why does this need to be so complicated? Yeah, it it is. And, you know, and again, it's like people helping you when they're grieving. Everybody's trying to do the right thing, but but you do feel bombarded and and I, I, I really turned a lot of it over to John because emotionally I just wasn't prepared to, to sort this stuff out. And he spent, you know, time talking to doctors or on the phone with people, uh, so that he knew, so he, he would con- uh, convince himself that the path we were taking was the best, best path. And- well, you write about being in the hospital one time and seeing a single mother in the hospital corridor with her two little kids and just thinking, how could you ever get through this by yourself? I know you 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 know there you feel blessed in a lot of ways even in the midst of this if you have somebody beside you to help you out and and I you know this woman was was you know had more on her plate 
than uh, than most people do without the cancer, and then you add the cancer on top of that. Uh, I realize that we need to do a lot for um, our sisters who are fighting this alone, and I've been trying to do some of that work uh, since uh, since I've uh, been cancer free. Reach out and, and help raise money for these adjunct services. You know, are you cancer-free now? Care. How is your health? Are, do you, Can- do you consider free. yourself? Wow, it's not, that's not, fantastic. Yeah, not they, they don't use cured anymore right? Um, because you, you still have an increased chance of getting it again, so you can't be actually cured, but, but uh, cancer-free, and that, I'm satisfied with that. Well, we are very happy for you, Elizabeth. Thank Thanks. you so much for... Y'all are delightful. Thanks for listening. You're the best. For more You're the Best Encore interviews or Satellite Sisters podcasts, go to SatelliteSisters.com or iTunes. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister. Call your Satellite Sister. sister.